Welcome to Women in Venture Capital. I'm Roshvina, a student at Harvard Business School with prior experience in finance and more recently venture capital in Africa. And I'm Anvita, Harvard Business School class of 22. I've actively worked in VC and tech startup space. Our mission at Women in Venture Capital is simple. increase the representation of women in the vc industry through awareness and engagement so join us as we engage with women establishing their presence in vc our guest today is monica varman monica is currently a partner at g2 venture partners and was recently a core member of the sustainability practice at mckinsey and company where she advised senior executives in the energy and infrastructure sectors on decarbonization and growth strategies at g2 Monica focuses on investments in the circular economy, grid resilience and food and architecture uh, agricultural sectors. She was previously a part of the business operations team at Tesla where she helped scale Model S manufacturing. She also worked at off-grid solar company Zola Electric where she developed its distribution and logistics strategy in Tanzania and Rwanda. Monica spent a year as a researcher with the program on energy security and climate change at the Council on Foreign Relations. and worked on the sustainability seafood program at the World Wildlife Fund. She holds a BA in economics, mathematics and sustainable development from Columbia University and an MBA from the Harvard Business School. Thank you so much for joining us today Monica. We are really excited for this chat. Thanks for having me. Super. Um so kicking right in, curious to hear how has your journey been into investing? um the arc of your career has been in climate tech and sustainability so curious to know what sparked that interest and how has your role at g2 helped you drive that impact yes absolutely um i grew up in india and in the middle east so i was born in india lived in dubai and saudi arabia for about half my childhood and then moved back to delhi for middle and high school and both those experiences have informed my career in many ways and and created a strong sense of personal mission for me i saw the uh basically the immense potential and opportunity in in unlocking the the potential of these economies but also the the potential environmental damage and and public health damage that comes from development that that's not done in a sustainable manner but i didn't really have any language or framework for how to think about that until i went to college um i went to columbia i was in the class of uh, 2011 which was the first class where uh professor jeffrey sachs had moved over from harvard to columbia established the sustainable development program and had made that into a, something you could major in and that really brought together a lot of my passion for creating good jobs developing economies but also preserving the environment and and public health alongside that uh so i ended up majoring in in econ math and minoring in sustainable development and and that has really driven the arc of my career since i started my career at mckinsey did the usual random walk learned about different sectors and got a chance to work on both public and private sector topics and then really wanted to see what innovation and uh private sector innovation could do for sustainability so my next couple of roles were were completely focused on that at tesla where i helped scale model s manufacturing and bring uh finance and consulting toolkits to answer questions like should we make a certain component in house or outsource it what chip structure should the factory work on etc and then at uh zola electric formerly known as offred electric in tanzania which is selling solar home systems in in rural tanzania and, and rwanda 
both experiences were obviously in incredibly different contexts, but applying technologies that were quickly moving down cost curves to help leapfrog uh, current technologies and, and decarbonize really critical industries in both transportation and energy. And I really developed a passion at that point or, and through those experiences for being on the innovation side. I just like the pace. I like the, the type of people I'm able to surround myself with in technology. Everyone is generally creative and optimistic. And it felt like um, you know, the, the segment of the economy that I wanted to really build my career around. And I joined uh, G2 Venture Partners in 2019, so about three years ago. I'd known the team for some time. They were the Kleiner Perkins Green Growth Fund, which had been a billion dollar platform that was one of the first active investors in climate venture. It was called Cleantech at the time. There, there's been somewhat of a rebranding in the past three years to climate tech. But I really like the firm's commitment to these themes through cycles and, and you know, as the popularity of then clean tech, now climate tech had ebbed and flowed over the decade. And uh, over the past three years with the firm, I've had a chance to work on a number of different aspects of the sustainability. Uh, at the beginning, I'd say like 10 years ago, when people said clean tech, all they thought about was really innovations in energy. Slowly that expanded to transportation. But climate tech today expands not uh, incorporates not just those two sectors, but also retail and circular economy, food and ag. We're seeing innovations in future of work to you know reduce business travel and and the footprint of commercial buildings. And so I think there's just so much more opportunity today across different sectors than there was ten years ago. And you're seeing that in the in the quality of entrepreneurs, the quality of companies, the number and size of funds, et cetera, that are being race to go capture that opportunity. So for me, it was a chance to be part of this incredible boom period for you know, an asset class that I feel very passionate about and to do that and go through that journey with a team that has, uh, has been in it for a long time through the good and the bad. That's really interesting, Monica. Thank you for sharing that. Um, I've actually been working on a pipeline for climate tech, um, well, climate agri and food tech in Africa. So I'll definitely pick your brains at some point. Um, after this conversation. I want to stay a little bit uh, more on climate tech and really ask you, um, how has the venture investing in the space evolved over the past few years? And what are the most exciting investment opportunities you see on the horizon? Absolutely. I would say one big change has been on the talent side. And I think the even before the pandemic, there was a a big rush of funds flows into ESG funds. The success of Tesla, Sunrun, Beyond Meat had spurred a lot of the, the um, I think, momentum behind investing in, in this asset class. Then the pandemic only accelerated that and caused a lot of people to really think about what they were spending their time on at work and whether that gave them meaning. And then for those of us in the Bay Area, we had one of the worst wildfire seasons of all time in 2020, where there was famously a day of orange skies in San Francisco. And so I think all of those things combined have really driven a large amount of talent into climate tech, both people wanting to, leaving large companies like Facebook, Meta, et cetera, to go start their own thing, and operators leaving um, you know, say uh, this, uh, I'm going to pick on like RPA automation and then, you know, trying to move into something more like watershed where they're able to apply 
enterprise SaaS tools, but but uh, do that on a climate related topic that you know, they're passionate about. So um, I think the the influx of talent I think has been the biggest mega trend, and there's been a lot to respond to that. So behind that, a number of funds have been raised fully devoted to climate tech to the point where you know Fifth Wall has a climate tech prop tech fund. We just saw Brookfield announce a $15 billion climate fund this past week. Uh, TPG, General Atlantic, et cetera, all have climate platforms now. And uh, the Climate Tech VC newsletter reported that the amount of dry powder for the climate tech space grew from 2 billion in Q1 21 to over 25 billion today. So that's an it's a huge expansion in a very short amount of time, um, and that funding is you know about I'd say two thirds one third between growth and and venture, and so what's really exciting is that there's there's more capital and then there's also more capital across the life cycle for these companies. Um, so whereas before you had a few maybe mission driven family offices investing in uh, in founders innovating in this sector, uh, but then somewhat of a dry spell for a series B through pre-IPO with only a few funds like ours that were focusing on that. In, there's now a huge amount of growth capital available for companies that are scaling. And in climate, these companies can, not always, but they can be more capital intensive than say enterprise SaaS. And so I think having that surety of, of late stage capital is incredibly valuable for the ecosystem and, and becomes self-reinforcing in many ways. So, um, so yeah, I'd say like the amount and diverse diversity of, of financing, the uh, the amount of talent, um, and then the breadth of sectors that people are innovating in are all things that have significantly changed over the past ten years. That makes a lot of sense, and uh, I I might also add that from a few of my con conversations with uh, some of my HBS classmates recently, uh, I also gathered that. The, we've also leapfrogged in terms of innovation, like just the cost of uh, manufacturing has gone down substantially. So as to bring in this growth capital more and uh, just continued belief that there is a potential to continue launching um, sustainable uh, businesses and actually have them see a long-term potential of go-to-market and, and adoption because now the cost to serve has significantly gone down as well. So uh, completely agree with all that that you uh, mentioned and just added this this one. Um, sticking on the same topic about uh, investing careers, um, curious to hear how did your role grow from an investor to a partner at the fund? Um, could you share how your responsibilities shifted and your perspectives evolved? Absolutely. Um, so for us, we're we're a relatively flat fund. Um, so the role we we title as an investor, I think, is equivalent to what other funds might call a VP or a principal um, and involves deal sourcing, deal execution, and then taking a board observer seat to help with portfolio companies after execution. Um, so the, the shift of partner, I think the main shift has been how much of more of my time is, is spent on post uh, investment. So, uh, you know, at this level, you are leading the investment and then taking the board member seat. And so I think just the level of responsibility and ownership over outcomes uh, is, and, and the waiting, I think, of time uh, on 
post-investment versus pre-investment has, has shifted. Um, my promotions also happen during a time where the markets also shifted. So it's, uh, it's probably felt more exaggerated in my case. Um, I, so I, you know, I think that's a very tactical way in which how I spend my time has has changed. Um, I think the biggest thing is just having that ownership mindset of, well, you know, especially in venture, once you make an investment, this is your baby for the next ten years. And so thinking about the track record I want to build, the companies and part, uh, teams I want to be partnered with, through good and bad over the next, you know, five ten years. Um, I think that has been somewhat of the, the mindset a mindset shift that's that's happened. Another piece has been thinking about um, just portfolio level or firm level strategy, just how we're thinking about our, what our strategy should be, especially in a time of economic uncertainty and going beyond the lens of, let me find some interesting one-off deals to let me think about what we're building and, and you know, whether our strategy will help us build a really successful firm for the long term. That's a really helpful insight, Monica. Thank you so much. Um, I want to shift gears a little bit here and um, talk about you know, gender disparity in the industry and ask you why you think needs to happen to ensure parity and equal opportunity for women in tech and VC. So many things, and and we're speaking on June twenty fourth. You know, today's Supreme Court's officially struck down Roe v. Wade. So, in, in so many ways, I think uh, yeah, there's there's a lot to do across both uh, uh, public and private lives for from women in the U.S. But within tech and VC specifically, I think I think there are several levels. So one is pushing change from the top, and uh, I, I'd say that starts all the way from LPs pushing for their fund managers to have diverse check writers at their firm. So not just, you know, the classic thing you see with five white guys at the top and uh, a more diverse junior team, but but really pushing their fund managers to have uh, diverse people in, in decision-making roles. The second piece is around uh, founders. So founders seeking out firms where they, they are able to directly partner with a diverse leader or at least get the advice of a, another diverse senior leader at the firm. So I think you know these external top-down forces will, will help. Uh, ironically, ventures is a surprisingly uh, slow, it, there's a surprising amount of inertia and a surprisingly slow to move industry. And I think some of that is driven by just how long the fund life cycles are. So each one is 10 years. And um, and some amount of, of risk aversion and and inertia all the way from LPs sticking with the same funds time and time again, all the way down to you know partnership structures that uh, resist succession planning. So um, so you know I think that's sort of the top down lens. From a bottom up lens, I think uh, funds really need to start to think about apprenticeship and developing young people. I think the one of the challenges in venture, especially as I compare it to other professional services like consulting or banking, is the firms tend to be smaller, leaner, uh, and, and so there isn't a ton of bandwidth for the kind of training and, uh, and skills building that you might have at these, in these other larger professional service firms. 
And so I think there needs to be a lot of investment, both at the firm level, but then at the ecosystem level through organizations like Always, for example, to help professional development for, uh, for diverse talent and, and help people navigate and strategize this very odd, somewhat cottage industry um, where every firm operates in a slightly different way. So, you know, I think HPS, for example, has a strong role to play as well as in, in that ecosystem sense in terms of helping to um, create initiatives to connect their, their female alumni who are investment professionals, create mentorship programs across alumni and, and current students. And, and even while people are students, you know, I really applaud what the work that both of you are doing, um, people examples of, of what they could be and, and the kinds of careers they could have uh, as investment professionals, because I think, you know, you can't be what you can't see. And so I think, you know, there, there's a role to play even for more, more ecosystem players uh, like schools to, to help foster and grow the, the pipeline. I think uh, a lot of what you said makes real sense and a holistic approach is definitely the way to go um, to deal with this. And it's a feeling we've got um, having been in the industry, but also listening to the many guests we've had on the show. Um, we've had, you know, from interns to partners, um, a lot of funds do a really good job now of uh, including women uh, in senior positions, but there are still firm pages that I have to scroll through rows and rows. Uh, to to find one so um, there's a lot of work to be done it's being done but uh, awareness education and community are, are definitely um, three big pillars there um, thank you so much Monica I just want to before we close this conversation just wanted to ask you um, a very personal question but I'm curious to know if you've had a, a mentor um, that you know has been very impactful in your life um, you know, it can be personal, it can be professional. Um, I, I'd say I've been lucky in that at each stage, there have been at least one or two mentors and sponsors who've helped create opportunities for me and uh, helped me be successful and, and build confidence. Um, funnily enough, they've often been men. I think it's, it's sort of having worked at this intersection of, of finance and you know, these like heavy industrial sectors. Um, and I, I think that you know men have an incredibly important role to play here in, in helping uh, helping advocate for women and, and pull them up. Um, we can't do it alone. So uh, so yeah, I'm ex I'm very grateful for all the men ambassadors I've had throughout my career. Absolutely, um, having a background in banking, I also agree. Um, you know, people who allies do play a, a big role in in what we're trying to achieve and pulling women up as well. Um, awesome. Thank you so much, Monica, for joining us on the show. It's been a real pleasure. Thanks for having me.